What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode number 18 of Through the Veil. I'm your host, Alex Nelson, and today on the podcast, we have my friend Stefan Volk, and we talk a ton about running a business, starting from scratch, and how to have location independence. Stefan travels all over the world and basically works from wherever he is, and just lives a really, really cool and inspiring life, and has a lot of great insights on how to achieve some of these things, and some of the trials and tribulations that he went through to get to where he is. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, please leave a five-star rating or a review. And of course, share it with a friend is really the best way to get word out about the podcast. But without any further ado, enjoy the episode, and I'll see you at the end. Boom, and we're live. So, Stefan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being on. Um, So if you can kind of just introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what you do and kind of let the audience know some of who you are. Yes, absolutely. Um, My name is Stefan. I'm 34 years old. I'm from Germany. And uh, I'm a business consultant by trade. So what I do is basically I do recruitment for German companies in the German market, uh, tech and digital mostly. So that's uh, my, my day life. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I just mainly work from my laptop and, and travel the world. Basically, I've started that journey in, uh, in 2019. Um, and that's been a lot of fun. It's also uh, been very, very interesting to see how my business kind of you know developed over the years um and and like that to to make that leap really from sitting in a home office and at some point wondering why am i sitting here like i'm sitting on my laptop i could be anywhere right now Mm -hmm. so and then i started traveling southeast asia for six months and then i've been over the us and canada and uh that's uh, that's basically my my day life at night (laughs) i'm a I'm a lifelong learner, basically. I, uh, you know, have, have gained a ton of experience with the, the Fit for Service um, Mastermind where we got to know each other, Alex, and uh, that's been a, a fun ride over the last uh, six months and I'm continuing this year, so that's also exciting. And um, all, like all my life has been about like development and growth and like maxing out my potential because I come from a very, I wouldn't call it poor upbringing. I would rather call it a very simple upbringing. We didn't Mm. have any money. Like I grew up with three brothers Mm. uh, and a single mom at some point. And um, that was, that was tough, but it wasn't so tough because we always had love. Like it mm. was tough because we never had money. And like when you go to school and you can't, e- can't even, you know, you can't even buy, a, I don't know, like a, a bread roll at the little supermarket or something like that because you don't have any money or your friends go to the movies and you can't go. Uh, that was tough, like from a, from a social perspective. But at home, we always had love. We spent mm. most of the time outside. We built little forts outside and tree houses and all of that stuff. So I grew up outside most of the time and it's been, it's been fantastic. And uh, there was never much guidelines from my parents and it's been like, you know, 34 years until I realized how much or how well I was parented by my mom and my grandma and my aunt who were never pushing me towards religion or there was never any sexual um, assault kind of thing. And, and, and mm. I'm bringing it up because I've noticed that like many people that I've met over the last couple of years and like, especially in travel, like 
this this seems to be like a very normal thing right super prevalent so and and then i'm noticing okay there there was never this this creepy uncle who touched me there was never mm. anyone who said you have to go like and and do the good work in the name of jesus and like all of that stuff like i was perfectly parented and i don't even know if that was by accident right. or they knew what they happened. do i have yeah. it just happened so i could be and i could do whatever i wanted and uh, one of the most things that i and and that's you know in my early career especially like one of the things that i've always uh chased was money because we mm. never had it mm. and i and i've chased money and it's been it's been significant part of my life. And at some point, I think it was when I was 25, 26, when it was the first time when I was making, I don't know, what 120 K per year or something mm. like that. And I thought when I make that, it was always in my mind, that number right. was always in my That's mind. When I make that, be good. <laughs> and then I'll be good. I buy a Porsche and I'm happy. Yep. I never bought a Porsche. Um, I don't even like cars mm -hmm. that much. Like, right. you know, it's, it's been always been something that I forced myself like to show other people I made mm -hmm. it. And uh, then I made 120 K and I'm like, fuck, I'm miserable. I'm fat. <laughs> I'm <laughs> fat. Shit, first of all, <laughs> how long am I going to get I'm, to enjoy this? If I, if yeah. I have diabetes. <laughs> exactly. I was, uh, I was a hundred kilos um, at, at that point. Point um, and I felt fucking miserable, like you know, with miserable but with more money. Um, but that's you know just a short, uh, a short roundup about my about my story. Yeah, that's super interesting. I love the. So I think it's what what is a source of endless interest to me is how a humble upbringing with good parenting is actually a kind of a fucking advantage. Like, yeah. and like people don't like to hear that. Like, oh, well, it'd be better to be born rich. It's like, no, not necessarily. Um, yeah, I kept, come from a humble background myself, and what I noticed is like, because my parents were so good and they cared for me. And like, obviously, there was mistakes, and like, it wasn't the perfect childhood by any means. But like, because they took such good care of me and my brother, it set us up in a way where same mindset that you had, where it's like, all right, now I'm ready to go out and be successful. Um, but we had that hunger, that fire was lit underneath yeah. of like, I yeah. need to fuck, let's go for this. Um, it's just interesting to me that it can be like, you'd think like, oh, okay, if you're, if you're born humble, like that sucks. But it's like flip the mindset that it is actually a little bit of an advantage. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I, I've met with a friend. She, she was my first girlfriend and she knows me for 17 years and we're still mm. relatively close. Sometimes we're more in context than, than other times, but I, I think that's normal. And like, I met with her and she's as a, she's at a, a dark place right now, mm. but she had the perfect upbringing mm -hmm. that like the, the father took care of her. Like he, you know, daddy's little girl and they had like, money and she mm. like he supported her and all of that stuff and right now she's miserable she's stuck in a career that she mm. does not like that does not bring any money she studied eight years for it she she doesn't like it her like her father and he's he's the best guy ever like he's done a lot for me he helped me he was I think the first father figure that I really seen as mm -hmm. a, as a father figure in my life and like wanted to, to follow his path. Um, but he is unknowingly 
putting so much pressure on her mm-hmm. to do the mm-hmm. right thing and be safe. Like, and that's, I don't know if that's an American thing too, but in Germany, it's like you have to like safety and control in mm-hmm. life is everything. And when it's yep. getting a little bit out of the path, then like you're, you're losing control and that's not good. And right. she's now realizing she's following my path very closely. And she's like, I, I, I really don't understand how, like, you don't have any control over your life. You just go out and do shit. And I can't, I'm like, you can, right. you have unlearned it for some reason. Yeah. And it's interesting. And now I have the advantage there. It's exactly what you said. Absolutely. Well, let's see what I think it is, is that people that grow up with a ton of stuff being given to them, they, they grow up with that being normal. So like you, you started with a humble set point as a start, but there was a yeah. lot of love there. So because there was a lot of love there, you know that you could live simply, but with a lot of love in your life and be very happy. So there's exactly. no fear. There's not the same fear of loss for you that there is for someone that's never experienced that because she maybe hasn't experienced this like humble upbringing where it's just like, oh, we didn't have much, but we loved each other and we were happy. It's like, once you know that that exists, then you're like, okay, well, what does it matter if I just fucking go for it? Because if it all falls apart anyways, I can still have that. So we're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. It comes down to entitlement where you, when you, you know, and she has that and we talked about that a lot. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me. It's like she feels entitled to like, you know, get something back. Like it's mm-hmm. almost like, well, I, I've done this and that and, and now I have to get something back. No, no. Mm-hmm. The answer is no. The world, <laughs> yeah, the, the the world does not owe you anything, and entitlement is that's the the biggest poison. Like I mm. love how Gary V, like one of my you know favorite people out there, mm-hmm. uh, is talking about that a lot. Like I have never felt entitled to anything, mm. and when I got to a point where I felt like, well, now I made it, now I must get something out, then the world just slapped me in the face, like. Yeah. Look at where you come from, boy. Absolutely. You get nothing. You want something? <laughs> work for it. That's how you get, get it. after it. <laughs> I love it. So let's talk a little bit about your sort of journey. Um, you touched on some points of it, but I think what it, what's useful for me and useful for the audience, I think, is to hear about some of the struggles you had because it helps mm-hmm. humanize your story because obviously you're quite successful now. And as you continue to work, you'll be more successful because you've got... Mm you've got the skill set for it but what is what's interesting to me what is useful for people is to know like where are the points in your story where like things were super bleak and it all felt like it was falling apart and then how did those things sort of turn around to the positive yeah, yeah. well one of the things like like my 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 career story or like in general my my story has has been going well since i started my own business like i've Mm. been blessed with success i never took it for granted um one thing that that changed the whole scene was in 2016 where i wanted to uh i got very greedy at some point and uh, I wanted to build a bigger business. And I have uh, like a friend sought me out and he was like, hey, you're in recruitment. I've been doing recruitment for a couple of years now. Let's build a business. And I was like, okay, that's great. But we need to, like, we did not have any any funding available to mm-hmm. uh, at that point. And I did not want to like, you know, get in with my, all of my private money that I had right. saved up. So we uh, sought out, um, a businessman that I kind of knew, but not really. And hmm. 
Like we, we gotten along with each other well and uh, we, we started a business. And the funny thing is, I knew when we started that this is not going to go well. My intuition told mm. me that. But, you know, being a greedy little bitch, mm-hmm. you know, I thought like, well, you know, then I'll just do that for a couple yeah, of years, you know, <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and take the money and, and then we'll go from there. Um, mm. This was a horrible, horrible time in my life because mm. that company made a shit ton of money but we ended up um, separating and closing the business. We got sued, but like both my friend and, and I, we got sued mm-hmm. um, because we got in bed with the wrong person. Yeah. And I would not blame it on him completely because uh, I, I knew that I, I kind of felt that this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I went ahead and did it anyway. And then I got the bill at the end. Right. So what happened in, in 2017 was then after the business, uh, after we decided to, to close down the business, it was we got sued. We did not get any money out of our shares and everything mm-hmm. like that. And uh, it was terrible. So what happened is, I ended up having zero money left. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was sued. Like we, we, I paid uh, 20,000 euros for a lawyer and all of that stuff. He did not get shit done at all. Right. And like, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was really, I like, I was like, it, it was really, really terrible because I had no money left and I had money for one month of rent. Mm-hmm. And after that, it would have been like, ended and Mm. uh that year 2017 was a really dark year i just recently transferred all my old journal posts to a new app Mm. and it was terrible Mm. i I like whoa i was a dark spot (laughs) (laughs) i relived those moments alex and it was absolutely terrible that like like that was the i was in a long-term relationship for uh for eight years at that point and uh that was one of the major things that like you know my my ex-girlfriend she was really trying to to save me there and Mm -hmm. like really try to get me through all of that and and at some point she was like i can't anymore like Mm -hmm. i'm really trying i i can't i it's it's done i have to leave you until um until this is sorted out because mm-hmm. i'm now i'm losing myself in that thing and that was really hurtful so i had you know a business falling apart all of my savings you know went out the window my girlfriend left me and i was just in a dark place mm-hmm. and the only thing and that's something i realized only after the only thing that has gotten me through that phase was meditation journaling breathing mm-hmm. and cold baths was the only thing like I was pra- practicing the Wim Hof method. I met him earlier in that in that year, mm-hmm. uh, in 2017. I met Wim Hof in uh, in his uh, in his house in, in the Netherlands, and we've done uh, an amazing seminar there. And that was the only things that kept me sane, trusting in the universe, the source, like whatever you want to call it, um, to, like keeping me sane and trusting that things will be better. And things gotten better. 2018 mm-hmm. was a phenomenal year, but that was a dark phase, losing everything and then get sued and like also losing faith in humanity mm-hmm. because I worked with back then one of my closest friends. We are not talking anymore. Mm-hmm. Like we, like he got married. He, he's, he's becoming a father. We're not in touch anymore. And I'm not interested to be fair. And like with a really like, I don't know, shady businessman, I would, I would mm-hmm. call it. Um, again, like, I'm not blaming everything on him, but him, like he certainly has his reasons and, and all of that. And I hope he's, I hope he's well, 
um, and I'm practicing forgiveness for him because mm -hmm. he must be very hurt to do all of that. Um, so that's, that's all right for me, but he has his own little, you know, package to, to, uh, to carry, but, um, I lost faith in humanity at that point. Uh -huh. Um, and that was a very dark episode and, uh, things gotten better since then. Like it's, it's all amazing. I mean, that has ultimately been, you know, the, the, the happening in my life where I said, okay, fuck all that. Uh -huh. I gonna, I'm gonna sell all my shit. I'm gonna leave the country. I'm gonna travel, you know, as long as I have the chance to do that, I'm gonna live a life differently. So that's ultimately a good thing that the, everything yeah. like that happened, right? But that's definitely, that's been a very dark episode there. Yeah, it is like, it doesn't feel like it in the moment, but those darkest moments are always the catalyst for the biggest growth. And like, yeah being in that it causes uh, i posted about this a little while ago but like jordan peterson has this saying where it's like when you <clears throat> when you make a bad business deal or you end up in a bad relationship and it all falls apart it can be really destabilizing because you've it's not just that you're like this dude was kind of an asshole like he was a shady businessman like that's part of it yeah. but it's also you have to reassess internally you're like well i guess i have bad judgment like there's this whole extra component where exactly. you don't trust the other person and you don't trust humanity but you also don't trust yourself as much as you did because you're like wow i guess i can't be trusted to make good decisions yeah. like yeah. holy shit and that's the part that hurts the most and as you reconstruct yourself from the pieces if you do you can become a stronger person because if you if you do this correctly like you have you go okay what did i learn Okay, yeah. well, this type of person, like, oh, I did have an intuition. I had a feeling. I just ignored it. Why did I ignore yeah. it? Oh, I got greedy. Okay, cool. Now I have a game plan and a roadmap so I can know how to avoid people like that in the future. And it it makes you come out the other side stronger. And it it these moments of inflection in our lives are often, I've seen it in my own life at multiple different points where it's like where things are really fucking falling apart is where the inspiration strikes and where you have that like almost like angry energy, like, all right, fuck it. Something's got to change. I need to go travel or I need to go do, yeah. you know, I need to go do this other thing. Like, all right, boom. And it's, it's no help in the moment, but to come out the other side and then to reflect back on it, at least once you've had one or two of those dark moments under your belt, at least then you can start to have the awareness that like, okay, if things are dark now, it doesn't mean that they're going to be dark forever. And this is yeah. actually a period of transformation. Yeah. I remember one of my journal pages, like from one of, uh, like one of the darkest days I, I, I read, I, I wrote to my, to my future self. I read, I wrote something along the lines of like, Hey, future Stefan, if you read this in a year, hopefully you'll be in a better place and you smile. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I read that, like this year, actually, mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, fuck, this is very interesting <laughs> to read it now. And like it, it being like, you know, I, I mean, I don't even have a, a fixed place that I call home anymore. I don't mm. live in Germany anymore. I'm in Cyprus in my beautiful apartment mm. right now. Like all of those things, like my life is completely like transformed in a way that mm. like, if you would have told me that two years ago, I would have been like, no, that's, that's yeah. probably never going to happen. Like not for me, you know, how, how would that ever work? And it, and it did. And that's a beautiful thing. And I remember a conversation that I had in Vietnam with a German girl uh, who owns a co-working space there. Mm. We had a great conversation. She at some point wanted to know more about the story and she was shocked by it. 
And then at some point she was like, you know, you should be grateful to those guys. And I'm like, ooh, don't get me started. I'm not I there yet. Those, <laughs> I hate those motherfuckers. They've done me wrong. And she was like, well, you're, you played your part in this, right? Mm -hmm. You played your part, but ultimately you should be grateful because none of this would have happened and you would not be here exactly. without that. It's a hundred percent. It's, it's such yeah. an important awareness because it's you without that additional piece of outside pressure of that causing yeah. this shift, like kind of knocking the first domino over who knows how long you may have just sort of existed chasing only money with no more awareness. Exactly. Like it often takes that pain piece to kind of crack open the armor you've constructed and yeah. then all of a sudden you're like you're all raw <laughs> like there's no armor on you're just like fuck and then it <laughs> makes you reassess your priorities like what's important right now okay yeah. i've not been that happy with what i've been doing and usually usually manifestations of ego like greed or like just going after something you don't want those are usually manifestations of you're not that happy so you're trying to get more of something like oh if i can get more money i'll be happier yeah sometimes these pain points can be a good chance for us to go like okay armor's off and i'm really fucking hurting well you know what now that i think about it, making all that money wasn't actually making me that happy yeah. i should try something different <laughs> yeah and also what's been very interesting in 2017, I think it was around April or something like that, a friend of mine, um, actually the cousin of my ex-girlfriend, he uh, introduced mushrooms to me. I was always kind of, you know, interested. Like I've never been like my, my brother um, was a marijuana addict for two mm. years and I thought I'd lost him. So I was really like always anti-drugs and at some point like you know you read a little bit about psychedelics and this is you know it's kind of interesting but you don't want to admit where i did not want to admit that i'm interested in into that because i was always wondering like is is there something more like or, or is this it like is this my life and this is what i'm doing the next couple of years and then at some point i die is that really it and right. um i remember in that dark period, I had some great moments, obviously, right? It was not all dark, not the whole year of 2017. Um, at some point, um, we, uh, we had a, a ceremony, or it wasn't like a, a real ceremony, but mm. we did mushrooms at my, at my home, which was a beautiful place with a beautiful garden. And he introduced mm. it to me and gave me tons of stuff to read before that. And I was very anxious, but that was one of the things in 2017 that really turned mm. my shit around as well. Um, and I mean, you know a little bit about the history and I've done psychedelics a couple times and I'm not shy of like, you know, admitting that because there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But that turned shit around for me as well. Where it's like yeah. the first time you open up a door and you're like, what uh -huh. is it? there's something else what? Like, I was just like, <laughs> I opened a door in my home that I didn't know was there before. And I ventured out into the universe and mm. I experienced love for myself in a mm. way that I've never done before. And that has also been something that, you know, turned around like from, from then on, turned around everything for me. Yeah, it, it's such an impactful medicine. Medicine is what yeah. I call it. And like any medicine, I think it's important for people to understand like while mushrooms are 
not very likely to be abused. People can abuse them. You could just use it to escape. If you went and partied every weekend on mushrooms, it could be used in a negative way. But when you use yeah. it in a positive way to sort of wake up, it, it can have these transcendental, transformative experiences that give you a, a whole new outlook on life. I remember one of the first experiences I had where I was just like drinking all the time. I was an alcoholic and like, yeah. I had this experience where I took a large dose of mushrooms. I won't say how large, but a large dose of mushrooms, a healthy amount um, alone in my room. And I had the experience of my entire body dissolved into the universe and every molecule of who I was, was completely surrounded by absolutely unconditional love. And like everything was a part of me and I was a part of everything. And in that moment, it was so exactly what I needed because I had so little love for myself and that's yeah. why I was drinking so much to try and cover that up that just that single piece. And like, there was a couple more ceremonies after that, that helped me to wake up further to like the traumas that were causing that just that yeah. single piece just shifted my behavior almost immediately where I was like, Oh, it's almost like you open a, you open, like you said, you open a door in your brain that you didn't know was there. And you realize like it, as your ego dissolves, which is what, these psychedelic compounds are especially good at doing as your ego yeah. dissolves you realize that, like i'm a part of everything and everything is a part of me so i should stop yeah. getting so like down and depressed because it's not just me i am not alone both in the physical sense of the word but in the metaphysical sense of the word as well yeah yeah it's it's true and like the more i like i've become like since I tried it the first time, I've become obsessed with it. And then, you know, slowly my my vocabulary kind of like, you know, advanced into like, okay, this is medicine because it truly was like it, it healed a lot of me. And like, apart from that, it was also a lot of fun. And then I, you know, started experimenting with, with it a lot. And uh, like in that very depressive phase, I tried microdosing mm. and that has been a complete game changer. Okay. So I should add, you know, apart from journaling, ice baths, breathing and meditation, microdosing was also mm. something that has really turned it around for me to during that phase, just to function, you know, to not go completely batshit crazy and like, mm. you know, throw everything away to really to function and make it through that phase that has been like a, like a game changer it's been tremendous for me and i've never like publicly really talked about that but like that that has been medicine and that has been you know a, a great journey of of healing and i've never like before i've i've done it um with with you in in canada in, in a ceremonial way which been which has been absolutely crazy and we can talk about that a little more um but like i've done it like casually like never on parties i like mm -hmm. from the beginning i i knew that this is not something that i want to party with yeah. but like doing it alone a couple times in my home also like i spent a day like with a significant dose i would call mm -hmm. it i spent mm -hmm. a day watching adventure time it's my okay. all-time favorite Great uh, show, show. Mm -hmm. and like I, I spent a day like tripping my balls of watching adventure time yeah. and you have to be on psychedelics to even come up with Appreci all of that yeah, stuff. appreciate that show truly <laughs> like oh I'm, it's making even more sense <laughs> yeah exactly and uh, and that's been beautiful and then try it like and then do it in a in a ceremonial well set ceremonial way has been changing everything again and again mm -hmm. like and that's that has been the beauty beauty of that journey that everything started to make more sense like you know like exploring different 
career steps and ways, you know, and being more open to that and then being more open to spirituality because mm. I always thought of spirituality as like nonsense because I mm -hmm. always wished that it would be the magic that people like would want it to be. Absolutely. But then the, the people that talked about it in Germany for me were always like, Oh, that's so pretentious. It's, mm -hmm. it's just some, some BS, you know, that I, that I don't want to hear about. So I give up, I, I gave up on that and, and psychedelics have opened that door again. Mm -hmm. Like, and I've been way, way more open to all of those, you know, things at least like try it out. If, if breathing is not for you, you know, and, and you don't have a, a, a Kundalini awakening with it. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that's okay too. It can exactly. still be very beneficial, right? But be open-minded and try things and like develop yourself. That's been a, an interesting path. Yeah, it is like, I think a lot of people get turned off of sort of spirituality in general and religion because it can feel, this is the way it feels to me at least, it, it can just feel like a bunch of fucking platitudes that are essentially like meaningless. Like Totally love your love your neighbor <laughs> love yourself like you love <laughs> love that treat your neighbor as you would want to be treated it's like great yeah. okay fucking cool like wow <laughs> yeah Ooh. but some of these experiential spirituality pieces which is kind of what i call it when we're talking about psychedelics like it's you're you're experiencing it you're yeah. experiencing the spirituality so there's no like there's no component of like someone telling you this is what you should feel or telling exactly. you like, Hey, you need yeah. to try this. You experience it. And then you have a knowing of what is, what's going on. What's there. Yeah. Whether that's just living in your mind or whether there is something else out there is up for debate, but at least it, it opens a new, a new door in your brain that allows you to kind of see things a different way. And they've also demonstrated this in some of the, in some of the studies coming out about psychedelics. There's a study where they, they, so there's a personality model called the big five. Um, mm -hmm. That is essentially the most accurate current personality model. And it runs five different traits and there's subsets of each of the five different traits. Uh, it's openness, conscientiousness, agreeableness i'm gonna forget the other two but the one that's important on this topic is openness they showed that yeah. when someone did a dose of psychedelic psilocybin mushrooms the they had a one standard deviation increase in trait openness period like just onward which essentially means they moved from they could move and I'm, i might be getting the numbers like slightly wrong here so you know, audience yeah. bear with me here and go look up the study for yourself. Cause it's fucking cool. But essentially it means they would have moved from the top, the bottom 25% of trait openness, which is like trait openness is your ability to connect and see new ideas as well as your ability to be open to new experiences, as well as your, your ability to be open to a totally different way of doing things. So like if yeah. you're in business and you're doing things a certain way and someone comes to you with this crazy idea, like if you're high in trade openness, you'll entertain the idea. You'll be like, hmm, okay, what if that did work? What would that be like? If you're low in trade openness, you'll be like, no, we're not doing things different. Yeah. Um, but what they showed is they moved people from the bottom 25% to the top 25% with yeah. one dose because yeah. these compounds have a certain way of just like 
forcing you to look at shit a different way. And even as you're talking about microdosing, like microdosing is another beautiful way to get, it's almost like you're reprogramming your brain with a better, happier neural pathways yeah. over the course of microdosing. And you come out the other end of it and you're like, wow, I'm just happier. Like I feel better and I'm thinking not only clearer, but also more creatively. Yeah, it's, it's true. And when, when you look at those studies and I looked at a couple of them, also when it comes to treatment with like PTSD and all mm -hmm. of those things, you know, depression, those results have been so crazy when you think about it, like just like that, you're skipping 10 years of hmm. like psychotherapy. I'm not saying that this is the magic pill hmm. for everything, but like you cannot look away. Like it's, it's like, it's for me, like it's indisputable to look away from, from those things because the results are there. And like, I'm just happy to be in a space where there's more and more openness towards that. Right. But like what, what you say makes, total sense to me also for me when i you know and this like especially in germany if i would like openly in germany say like hey i you know I'm, I, I love psychedelics and i uh i take medicine from time to time and like do those journeys like i would probably be laughed at right um or like get out of business but i'm taking that risk here mm -hmm. <laughs> um so so that's okay for me because like it has changed my perspective and I'm a recruiter. I've spoken to over 4,000 people in the last couple of years doing interviews. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that has changed is like the curiosity about people in my interviews that I have, the openness and the judgment that I can make based on, based on that curiosity, not mm -hmm. only about my clients, but also about the candidates and bringing those two together and, and looking for that perfect match. Right. And, but also consulting clients in a way where they, and that's a, I don't know if that's a German thing and, or that's a, a general thing. It's like mm. all, everyone is looking for that 100% candidate, right? right? Like we want the perfect fit for that role. Yeah. Well, the perfect fit, fit, first of all, does not exist. Right. Exactly. Like, period. But what if you would be open to a 60% candidate and within the probation period, which in Germany is six months, you make it a hundred percent candidate. Right. And if you exactly. cannot deliver that, well then maybe you are a shitty manager and mm -hmm. have to ask yourself a bunch right. of questions or it's the wrong no candidate. Doubt. Both is fine, but that's what the probation period is for. Mm -hmm. And like that, you know, bringing that awareness into my consulting work, has been a tremendous like change, game changer for, for business as well. Because usually what recruiters do is like they look for the 100% candidate, mm -hmm. they're not able to deliver, and then they have shitty testimonials about the work or like right. ending up never working again with the yeah. clients because they're not open enough. So what you say to me makes total sense and it's you know transferable in, in many different aspects in life. And business is one crucial part of that too. Yeah. I think it's so, <clears throat> it's so important for people like you and obviously Aubrey Marcus, which is yeah. we met through that mastermind, like for people that are objectively successful in the business world and objectively successful in their fields to talk about these things. Cause it does, it starts yeah. to, this is how we start to normalize this because the story that we were sold is that if you do drugs, big, scary <laughs> drugs, you're going to be a failure. You're going to end up on the side of the street. You're going to end up homeless. So the more set points that we can demonstrate of like, look, here's someone who's doing good by all the metrics that society 
puts yeah. on you. Like sure. these yeah. are society's metrics. Like, are you running a good business? You're making money. Like you're doing it. You're traveling yeah. society's metrics. Yeah. And it's like, okay. And also <laughs> took some mushrooms. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Well, it starts to redefine what that means because then people can start to see like, okay, it's not just this. And obviously every drug is different. So like, I'm still not an advocate for heroin, obviously, but <laughs> or methamphetamine. Right. It's but it's to start to redefine that. Like these things were arbitrarily all put into a big category together, where it's like, of course, it's yeah. drugs, so it's heroin, but it's also mushrooms. Like it's all the same category. It's like, yeah. okay, that's not exactly fair. <laughs> like, <laughs> really, it should be like it's heroin and like all the painkillers they give you at the hospital, those all should be in a category together. Yeah. And then like psychedelics are over here in their own fucking category. Yeah. And why exactly is alcohol not on that list? Which drug causes the most deaths? Oh, it's exactly alcohol. Like, oh, we're making billions out of that? Oh, well, mm. that's a different experience. Mm. Never mind then. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, it is just a, I think it's an important thing to acknowledge that like these things when used correctly can enhance your business aptitude. They can enhance the way you look at life and they can just enhance, you know, at a minimum, they can enhance your overall outlook, which is going to naturally yeah. enhance the way that you run business. Cause if you approach your business with a positive, like I'm ready to go get it. Cause I feel good about myself attitude, things fall into place. You've experienced this in the last couple of years. It's like, yeah, as you've opened up to that magic of like feeling good, these have been your most productive and financially lucrative years of Absolutely. your career, I would assume. Absolutely. And, and like, it, it's been exactly that, like 2018, 2019, I did not only make the most money, I also like saw the most success in terms of like my fun at work, like look at, and, and my work has not really changed. My perspective on it has changed. And like speaking, like with speaking a lot with high level people, CEOs, VPs, and they notice, Hey, something about this guy is just different. I don't like, honestly, I'm not a magician. I do recruitment as many people do recruitment. There's right. nothing so special about me, but it's my attitude about it. And like I, one, one CEO said it very well. And I like, I took that as a big compliment. Mm. You have that way with people, like you make them feel good when you mm. sit in front of them. And like, that's been, you know, I mean, a, I like to make people feel good in my presence. Yeah. Like this is something that's important for me. And I also do in business because why should it be different? Right. Exactly. And um, like, you know, having people notice that it's like, Hey, there's, there's, there's something else. Like you're not mm -hmm. trying to sell me some bullshit here. You're kind of doing things the same, like, like other recruiters do it, but you do it in a different way with mm -hmm. your, when it comes to your personality. And this is, you know, that has been like a, a major stepping stone for me and changed my entire business leading to, you know, building a better reputation, mm. um, having success quicker, but also being okay because there is a resistance when it comes to German companies. When I say I work 100% remote and mm. like period, there's no discussion about right. that. Yeah. But we want you on site one or two mm -hmm. days. Like I'm not, no, like, then I'm, the, <laughs> I'm the wrong guy. Yeah. 
And there are people there that will do this... that for you. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> and there is this willingness for, for this acceptance because like I stand my ground in that saying basically, look, I'm, I'm good at what I do. Like go check my testimonials from high level P VPs and, and CEOs of German companies on my LinkedIn. Like they would not put their name if, if it wasn't true. Like hmm. if you want to work me on site, want me to work on site, that's great. I'm the wrong guy for that. And I walk right. away from that business. And then they're like, mm, okay, well maybe we could go ahead and try. <laughs> if you're so sure about that. Absolutely. No, and also like that, that, that attitude combined hmm. with, you know, good success but also like more openness and more awareness to like feel good about myself it's mm -hmm. like this this is the way how i do business and if you're not willing to accept it that's fine but then like mm -hmm. we're not getting in business together i cannot solve your problem here do let let me do what i do best and then i can be of great value for you and if you're not willing to accept it and so be it yeah but what, what i think is beautiful about that and how you just illustrated is the the concept of an abundance mentality and this yeah. is like <clears throat> this is one of if i had to list like three keys to life the abundance mentality is one of the big ones and it it applies to everything it applies to dating if yeah. you go into every date you go on with a woman and you're like okay here's what i'm looking for here's what will make this a win for me oh you don't have that okay see you later yeah. Like that's a very different mindset than I'll take whatever I can get because I need <laughs> same yeah. thing in business. If you're approaching these relationships with the attitude of like, I want this to be a win for you, but um, these are also the things that are non-negotiable for me. Then yeah. people, people notice that and they, they go, huh, well maybe we're doing things wrong. If Stefan's so sure that he can do this remote and other companies are doing this. Hmm makes them reconsider and it also makes like yeah. it's the it's the ultimate sales tactic really of being able to walk away from a deal because you're just yeah. like this deal isn't for me and they're like well wait wait, wait. <laughs> hold on hold on <laughs> exactly. we can negotiate <laughs> but just that that mentality it, it's <clears throat> it's not just uh obviously there's some things out there like the secret and whatnot which i think have some true notes to them but are are not ta as tactically useful as they could be. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a good example of like real nuts and bolts, how an abundance mentality and starting to craft an abundance mentality can be just useful in terms of how you approach the world. It just changes the way you interact with these relationships and makes them just go better. Yeah. Yeah. And with all those, you know, lessons and, 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 and teachings about abundance, like, and, and you mentioned the secret, which has been one of the things that threw me off of the spirituality mm -hmm. train where it's like, okay, I just sit on the couch at home. And like, I asked the universe, give mm -hmm. me a million dollars. And then at some point, someone will hopefully, you know, arrive at my doorstep <laughs> with a big, with a big suitcase. Right. It's that, that, that it doesn't work like that. And the, the movie and the book like does not always do a good job at explaining right. that. I find personally um, with, with all those lessons. I mean, in some cases I do have an abundance mindset. It's a never always been that way. Mm -hmm. And for the most of my career, it hasn't been that way. I always operated from a mindset of scarcity when it comes to money, it's never been enough. Right. And also because you mentioned it, like dating, like friendships, love, all of that stuff. Like 
I don't like, I'm, I would never say I have that shit figured out. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like I have my abundant moments when it comes to that and that goes well. And right now I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, to say that, you know, I, I come from a, a mindset of abundance when it comes to those things, but it, it's a never always been that way. And B like, I have my scarcity moments like mm -hmm. that. Like, you know, because I, I, I lost two big clients last year in November and December. Well, I did not lose them. I like, they just did not extend the contract. Mm -hmm. And that like took 70% of my business away, mm -hmm. just like that right. within, yeah. within, you know, five days. And then I was like, fucking like scared, mm -hmm. scared. But what changed was that I have different tools now that I had back then. Mm -hmm. Like back then I would have been like, like not able to function for a couple of weeks until I move out of my little, little cave and then, you know, go, go back for the hunt. Yeah. And when this happened, I was also here in, in Cyprus and I was like, I was shook for a day. Hmm. And I was like, okay, let's get the fucking work right now. We're, we're going to make that shit happen. Yeah. And that is something, you know, not always living in abundance, even though if that would be the perfect, you know, way, but having tools to operate, to operate in a different way when you are in a mm. mindset of scarcity. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's the key um, to, to figure out to how to use that, how, how to use those tools. Yeah. I think what I've noticed in my own life, and I think this parallel is your story is the more sure you become of yourself and the more, <clears throat> maybe that's not the right word, the more clear you become on who you are and the more self work you do, the easier it is to tap into that abundance mentality. Because I think yeah. a, a scarcity mentality comes from this feeling of I'm not good enough. And so things are going to fall apart. And when you can unpack that, and the more you get clear on like, here's who I am, here's what I provide, I'm a valuable, I'm a valuable person, I'm a valuable entity. <laughs> like, yeah. it becomes easier and easier to tap into that abundance. And it is, it is important to acknowledge, like it is a process. And like, yeah, if if everything falls apart tomorrow, you're going to be in scarcity for a couple of days. Like it's just yeah. not, it's, we're human. It's nobody's enlightened enough that that doesn't happen. But then to start to wake up and remember like, okay, maybe I should look at the things that are good that I have going for me right now. And I think this is one of the hacks to getting to abundance is the gratitude yeah. practices. Absolutely. I should look, I should look at the things that are going well for me right now and I should count those blessings and then I can refocus and then I can attack the problem that maybe has surfaced rather than what most of us do, which is, okay, so I lost two clients. Now I'm going to think about everything else that's going wrong in my life as well. <laughs> and like now you've turned like what was like a certain amount of a problem into like this huge fucking exactly. problem. And it's like, why did they yeah. do that? That didn't make any sense. <laughs> also doesn't make me more effective at dealing with the problem. It just makes me no. fucking freaked out and want to hide under the covers for an hour. Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Beautiful. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about. So let's talk a little bit about moments that have shifted. You mentioned Toronto um, as a as a moment, and I, I'd love for you to just speak freely about that experience that I was there for as well, and kind of talk a little bit about a the community aspect of it, which is super powerful mm -hmm. for me, and I'm sure you felt the same way. But then b just like what what shifts have you noticed from things like that? Yeah. So the Toronto experience has been like one of my like pillar 
like shifting moments in, in 2019 for sure. Like, you know, joining Fit for Service and the Mastermind, ultimately meeting hundreds of people trying to remember all of the names, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, did, did not work. And then be in a secluded area in a beautiful house in in toronto you know in in winter when it's all snowy with 26 phenomenal people who you know some of i have already known a little bit some of them you know a little bit more and then having the time to ultimately connect deeply with all of them that's been a beautiful experience in itself like the community aspect was just was just amazing for me what what came up and what scared me a little bit like a i've never done ceremony in that way where i i've never done ceremony period mm -hmm. and then okay so mostly when i took mushrooms i've done it alone and uh now i'm taking that with 26 people who i barely know um what ultimately saved me and that was like okay there's alex and there's Kabe. Both of them, I don't know him super well, but I have that feeling of faith and trust in them. Like 100%. If something happens, like they're there and there's nothing that, that, that can happen to me. So mm -hmm. that gave me a lot of reassurance with that. So thank you for that. Yeah. The, the other thing too was, um, it was so beautifully designed with the workshops that we did, the intentions that we set uh, beautiful messages that we received in, in, in the first night, right? Like we meditated together and we've done cold plunges in the super mm -hmm. cold lake. Like all of those things, like things that I really like and that I enjoy with great people. Like there's been that sense of community. For the first time, I really enjoyed cooking. Like mm -hmm. I helped preparing food for other people who I felt more and more close with and, you know, which fired up some, some great conversations. That's been something very enjoyable. Like you're cooking for your family. Yeah. It felt like that's been beautiful. And then every, every workshop led up so beautifully for, for the ceremony itself. And my goal in that ceremony is, or was um, like getting okay with how my body feels and looks like, you know, I'm not 200, I'm not like 400 pounds. I'm not fat. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, ugly, but I always had a sense of discomfort and never being enough with my body. Mm -hmm. Like that's, it's always been, it's not always been, but for the major part of my life, it's, it's been there. And in that ceremony, and I'm trying to make it like as short as possible, but still like Take to explain. Go ahead. What, we got all the time <laughs> in the world. Okay, perfect. Um, so in ceremony, like my whole intention set was to, to, to love myself, like how, how I look and how I am. Mm. And like people from an outside perspective, and that may sound familiar to many people. It's like, dude, look, look in the mirror. You look fucking mm -hmm. fine. Like you're a good looking, handsome man. You're smart. You're successful. Right. You have everything. But well, ultimately that does not mean anything right. if you don't see it in yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and I had that 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 trouble with like how my body looks and um and then ultimately um that was something that i wanted to have resolved in in ceremony and mm. we went into ceremony and it was absolutely amazing and um i uh, i went for three grams of mushrooms and like it it was just really powerful and th the ceremony started and everything happened but not what i intend to work on <laughs>
And I was like, I, and I was talking to, you know, my body parts and to the mushrooms, like, hey, guys, can, can we work on something here? Mm -hmm. And they were basically like, basically like we don't work on shit today yeah. <laughs> we just Guess did what, what we wanted to yeah, so, okay. and and then and and then at some point like what i would have normally done is like no mm -hmm. i want to work on something and like force it but you know better than i do that like, mm -hmm. this is not gonna work <laughs> so i was at some point I, I was just like okay i surrender to this whatever happens mm -hmm. happens and like it was a beautiful um experience with a lot of crazy visuals and like mm -hmm. it was funny and comic-y and all of those things like that that come up and at some point I was like okay can we can we work on that on that issue that we have and then mm -hmm. everything opened up mm -hmm. and it was so beautiful and I asked why do we have this problem like where is this mm -hmm. coming from I snapped into a scene it was 17 years ago when I was 16 or 17 I was at an uh, at a at an ice cream place with my mm. friends back then, mm -hmm. and uh, I was just standing there. Uh, and my back then best friend, at some point, uh, I, I and maybe I should add this: I grew up in a kind of a toxic masculinity kind mm -hmm. of environment where, like, yep. you know, we wanted to be men, even right. though we were just fucking boys, and everybody went to the gym but me. Um, and I, you know, I I was never fat in that way but I was not like super buff and never had a six pack and all of that stuff and I was considered less because mm -hmm. of that I was always the smart guy well that did not help me any um right. like not a lot back then so I snapped back into that scene at the ice cream place and then my best friend he stepped behind me out of out of the blue and he lifted up my shirt in front of mm. like a couple girls and a couple people, he lifted up my shirt and he was like, yeah, show us what you got, dude. Mm. And I was fucking embarrassed by that. Yeah. And that smashed me. Okay. Um, he never apologized. I never spoke to him about that. I just moved on with my life, never knowing what, you know, has emerged mm. from that. And it snapped me back to that scene. And I'm like, fuck, I've almost forgotten about that situation. Mm -hmm. And then I asked, like, is this really it? And the answer was clear as day. Yes, this mm. is it. This is what, what happened. Why well, we're so scared and like, well, we're, you know, never feeling enough. And I'm like, mm. okay, well, I, I get this. Like, and then I was in that scene, seeing that very hurt boy, 17 years old, only trying to be a very cool guy. And I fucking hugged him. Yeah. And that's, Beautiful. and that was, it was crazy. I cried. Mm. Um, like, and, and he, my former me cried and I'm like, Hey, it's okay. It's okay. You tried mm. your best and, uh, and everything is, everything is okay. And like when that scene passed by, it was such a beautiful experience. And at some point I was like, okay, is this it? Like, can, can we let this go? This is, this happened and it was bad. And, um, this is not us anymore. Like mm -hmm. we're, we're not this hurt little boy. Can we let this go? And the answer was we can't yet because if we let this go, we're scared that we can reach our full potential. Mm -hmm. And that was a crazy yeah, thing. I'm like, fuck. holy <laughs> fuck. This is well, if we let this go, then yeah. we're out of excuses for uh -huh. everything. So we can just be the man that we always want to be. Yep. We can be that warrior, you know, who has also that kind of soft spot and that mm -hmm. emotional quality, which is something that I put in a lockbox, you know, some time ago, just to be a manly man, whatever mm -hmm. that is, you know. 
and um and that was like okay i i understand can we can we live up to that potential like can we let this go as well mm. and the answer was yes and i'm like okay just to make sure this really works because mm. i was scared it might not work like what happens if we look at the mirror the next time like mm -hmm. and we're naked what what happens like yeah we're not, we're not hating ourselves then. Mm -hmm. and that was the answer and i'm like okay can we really do this yes, we can do it. Like, let's do it. And then that part of, of, of the ceremony ended. And after that, I basically, you know, went up, went upstairs and had an amazing, you know, an amazing um, uh, cuddle puddle going on with a couple of mm -hmm. people from, from the community. And it was just absolutely amazing. I remember when I came up, um, Kavi asked me, Hey brother, how's your journey going? And mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, I have all the answers I need. Yeah, we're good. We worked on what we need to work on. <laughs> and it was uh, it was tough, especially in the beginning. But ultimately, letting this trauma go, which mm. I didn't know I was still having, and mm -hmm. um, where it was, where it came from, at least, and which which probably would have taken me five years in psychotherapy mm. to deal with it, and ultimately never really know if it really worked. And since then, I had two minor moments where this came up but i was able to like deal with it mm -hmm. uh one one of those moments was was in malibu when we worked out at the beach mm -hmm. um but other than that when i see myself in the mirror it's like love you dude man you're yeah. a handsome dude like it's it's really Fuck it's yeah. that that cool relationship that i have with my body now right it's like you're enough like when it comes to that you're enough and people have been always telling you that and mm -hmm. you never listened but now you can actually hear it you're open you're aware you're clear mm -hmm. on that and um one thing that is it's actually very funny since that moment especially women have been talking to me about like they seeing me as a viking warrior mm, and you're like hmm. and it's like oh <laughs> this is interesting because this has been a picture that has been in my mind when I like already when I was a child I've mm -hmm. been seeing myself as as this warrior you know mm -hmm. a, a masculine kind of uh, kind of guy like a, a like I don't know a, a king but he knows how to fight he's mm -hmm. also you know good to his own people and like always wanting to be that warrior um and now that has happened like out of the blue. Like right. I did not mention anything about that. Yeah. I remember when I was in Phoenix with Claire, um, who's also part of our mastermind. And like, mm. there was this uh, one girl who stepped up and she was like, hey, do you know who Ragnar Lothbrok is? Mm -hmm. and I'm like, of course I know. So you look just like him. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she was like, and, <laughs> and like, you know, everything was going wild in my head. And I'm like, oh my God, I love her. I want to marry her. She sees me as fucking Ragnar Lothbrok, yes. who like, if, if anyone doesn't know who he is, like he's from a, uh, a TV show called Vikings. Like he's mm -hmm. the main character. And uh, he's just a fucking badass. Yeah. And like, she was mentioning that. And then a couple girls were coming and she was, showing me the picture of him and she was asking the other two girls like don't you think he looks like him and they, they were looking at me like yeah he does and i'm like oh my goodness okay <laughs> i made it i made it, it up to, to valhalla pack it in we're done, done. <laughs> <laughs> so you know all of those beautiful experiences that happened mm. um it's been it's been a tremendous experience and i i have to thank you and, and kave and all the people that you know i've met over the last couple of months it's been one of the major things in my life that has shifted and mm. like 
you know, say, like, think about, you know, think about psilocybin all you want, but I consider it as a medicine. This has healed me tremendously mm -hmm. in, in that. And, you know, there's many more unpa unpacking to happen, a lot of more work, you know, to be done. But having, you know, being able to having shifted that in my life mm. has been just a, a major, major, major thing. That's beautiful. It's the first time I've heard that story. So that's amazing. <laughs> but uh, what really strikes me, and I, I don't know if you've made this connection yet, but there's always these pieces of how our traumas manifest. So you had a friend pull your shirt up in front of other people and embarrass you. Yeah. And like the interesting component of that is it was your friend. So now up until this psilocybin ceremony, every time someone tells you something from external, someone that's your friend, like, Hey, Stefan, you know, you look great. What the fuck are you worried about? You couldn't hear it because you have the trauma from a friend. So it's like, mm -hmm. this was your friend that caused this pain in the first place. So there's that distrust piece of others wrapped in the issue where it's like, well, it doesn't matter what fucking someone else says to me because my friend caught, you know, I can't trust my friend. So <clears throat> I can't trust what someone else says about how I look either. But then the unpacking of that and the revisiting of it yeah. and going back to that moment and hugging your younger self, I think it's just the, the perfect uh, visual metaphor for what is the effective way to deal with trauma. It's like you go back, you reanalyze it. You're right. People can get yeah. to this through therapy. It's not to like, it's not to push the psychedelics. Like people can go to therapy and they can get to these results. Totally. I just Absolutely. think it takes much longer, but yeah. you can get there through therapy. And it's that experience of like going back, finding the part of you that got left behind at that point and then embracing it and bringing it back into you and almost reintegrating that part of your personality that just got like stuck. Like essentially that yeah. part, there's a 16, 17 year old stuff and that was stuck inside of you. That was just like not moving and couldn't be moved. And then you go back, you show that part love, you re-embrace it and you bring it back into your personality and then totally boom fireworks. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. And I never really made that connection, like not consciously to like, why did I not hear it when like, you know, it's, it's never been any like trouble or like not connecting with girls or something like that. Or like, it's never been a big part of my life. But like making that connection is like when you, when you, when, when people do say that, like, hey, like, look in the mirror, dude, like you're a mm -hmm. good looking smart guy, you have everything you, you need. But like I hear it, but I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm, I, I don't have the openness to really like let it in. Mm -hmm. And it makes total sense to what you say. It's like, well, that, that little part of me is not able to process it because like, even if that comes from a friend, well, that's nice. But a friend was it, mm -hmm. you know, who did that thing to me that hurt me so, so, so harshly. And uh, that being the reason why I was never able to let it in. Now I'm taking all the compliments I got. Yeah, yeah exactly. I get, Bring right? them on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if your your story might be similar to mine in this way, but I, you know, I've had similar issues in the past myself, and I found that until I unpacked those traumas, I was drinking a lot, and I was drinking a lot because I needed to bring myself into a place of shutting off my conscious mind enough. <laughs> to yeah. where I could be charming and funny. So like yeah. 
up to a certain point when I first started working with psilocybin, like all the sex I'd ever had was when I was drunk, like every yeah. single time minus like Same. one or two times. Yeah. Since then it's been different, but it's like, I had to unpack that piece of myself because otherwise I was just freaking out. All, like my conscious mind is freaking out all the time telling me I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. You can't do this. And it's like, well, there was little programs running in the background of my, of my traumas that were manifesting and coming to the surface that I didn't want to deal with. So the only way to like shove those down was to drink. And then yeah. like, I, I think that's a big reason why people in general, why alcohol is such a prevalent drug in our society is because it is a depressant. Like, yeah, it's a social lubricant. It can be great, but really the social lubricant part of it is from like one to three drinks. Yeah. Like past three drinks, you're not actually getting a lot of extra benefit, but yeah. if you have trauma, which a lot of us do, the benefit that you're getting is you're shutting up your mind more so that you can then like yeah. exist in the moment. Yeah. I, I completely hear you on that. I mean, alcohol is something that le- right now I'm dealing with like very consciously because mm-hmm. it was in Malibu at our summit that I realized that I'm drinking because I want deep an honest connection with people Mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden you have so many i have so many people in my life that i connect with so deeply but i don't have to drink for it Mm -hmm. you know the the, in the beginning of uh, 2019 when i was traveling in southeast asia i was drinking almost every day Mm -hmm. partying you know like and i'm not saying that like this was a great time you know and it was the medicine i needed at that point which is great but now i stepped out of that concept and it's like, okay, why do I drink? I, well, I want deep connection. That's great. But now you realize you don't have to do that, you know, to get deep connection. You can just have that deep connection with anyone, you know, that, that comes into your life. And like along those lines, I, I have the same experience that you have. Like I've been good with girls, especially when I drink, because then I can shut up that conscious part. Like, and then I'm, you know, charming. And then I know what to say. And then, you know, I've been in the, in, 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 in the dating scene and like teaching men at some point, you know, because a, a friend of mine was a flirt coach back in, in 2010. And like, you know, I've been, I've been good with that, mm-hmm. but like sober, never like, and it was never, you know, the, those one to three drinks, like it was mm-hmm. always being like pissed drunk and yeah. then not able, not being able to get your dick hard in bed. You yeah. know, that's how no, most fuck. of my nights <laughs> What was the point out. of this? <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, I wanted to impress a girl mm-hmm. here, but now there's no impressing right. going on. No doubt. Um, um, so, so that's been the major part. And this is something that I'm tapping in now. Like now it's, it's becoming more, you know, like I want to be that you know, being sober, being my superpower. It's like, mm-hmm. if I step into a party scene with the goal to, you know, connect with a, with a woman, now I have the superpower because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm conscious. I know what's going on. I know what to say, when to say, like, I know all of those things. Like I can be myself, but mm-hmm. being sober. And like, again, there's nothing wrong with drinking. I'm not giving up drinking. I just don't want to like, have to do it mm. in order to function well when you know this is i mean my, my dating life is changing like mm. tremendously anyway but um but that's been like alcohol can be medicine mm. but be aware like despite the fact that it's not good for your body obviously it's right. also not good to to have having to need it mm-hmm. um to to be able to function in this in a, in a social environment yeah it's sort of a I looked at it as I 
So there's a, there's a concept, and I think the study was done with weed, but I think it applies broadly. There's a concept of state-dependent memory. So the test they did was they had people smoke weed and study for a test, and they had people then, they had half the group take the test, you know, a week later sober, and they had half the people take the test after smoking. And what they found was that the people who took the, who studied for the test high and took the test high performed way better than the people that studied for the test high and then took the test sober. Mm -hmm. And this is this idea of state dependent memory that you build up certain parts of your personality and certain parts of your knowledge in whatever mind state you're in. So for you, for me, who relied on drinking for a crutch for a long time, it's like you built up the the uh, mask of drunk Stefan or drunk Alex as this whole like fully developed, hilarious, charming like person. <laughs> exactly. And then you'd have the experience of like going out sober. You know, I'm sure you did it a couple of times. Like, I'm just not going to drink tonight. And like you're out sober and like sober Alex has not been developed enough yet. <laughs> like exactly. shit, what's going on? <laughs> uh Oh, <laughs> I better have a drink to be funny and charming again. But as you start to unpack, like what the fuck's going on in the background, like, Oh, that was all like, all of these parts were always within me. I just, alcohol was allowing me to get out of my own way. But if I can do the self-development work to be out of my own way in the first place, then I can still yeah. be all those things. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and that is, is like shifting, especially when you go out with people who are just who they are when they don't mm-hmm. drink, like you go out into a, a party scene, like you go out to a party and like you're with people that don't drink and they're just like cool funny like all the things that you normally are when you're drunk and now you realize hmm, okay if they can do it i can do that mm. too like and and one of the things that also led me to it like i had like amazing conversations with friends drunk that i never remember mm. and that's been really mm-hmm. pissing me off when yep. like you think about like oh we had that great conversation well what was it about yeah what were we talking about again they really yeah, opened up to me, but I don't remember what. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that like, isn't that a real bummer? Like, isn't that like, I don't, I don't want to be that, that person no. being reliant on a substance, substance in that way. So uh, that's why I'm now learning and, and developing about that too. Beautiful. We're getting close to the end here. So one thing yeah. I'd like to do at the end is what's the one or a few things that you're most excited about coming up? What are the things that right now are just kind of like making you get out of bed and you're like, yes, fuck yeah, this thing's happening. What's yeah. what's lighting your fire right now? Lighting my fire right now. So one of the things is um, Tulum is coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, the Fit for Service Summit in Tulum is coming up and I only booked one ticket and no return mm-hmm. ticket. So, you know, from from beginning of February, I'm going to travel to Mexico and then I'm going to be maybe stateside, maybe South American, like somewhere on that side of the planet. We're mm-hmm. going to do a beautiful retreat in, in Minneapolis. Like that's going to be amazing, right? Like that's all of that stuff. But having booked a ticket only one way, mm-hmm. that's definitely exciting. And, and I'm super pumped for whatever is, is happening, but I'm going to spend a couple uh, months in, in, in the US and Canada and oh, yeah. South America. Like I don't really know. Uh, but that's something that I'm super excited about. And then what I'm also super excited about is 
the next step in in my business since i'm noticing that i am outgrowing my recruitment business mm. even though financially it's amazing um it's producing great results and like also like clients are happy like when you look at it from the outside it's as well as it can be mm. but what i'm noticing is the impact that i'm making right now is not anymore the impact that i'm that i want to make so i'm slowly outgrowing that and i'm starting to you know asking myself questions like okay what what would be the next step and it forms towards i think career coaching could be mm -hmm. one of the things mm -hmm. that i could be really good at and like scaling the business do one-on-one -on -one coaching at some point maybe do webinars about that all of that stuff that's a beautiful new things that new thing that is coming up so those are two things that are really like they get my heart pounding like a lot more travel again this year which i committed to and, and feel comfortable with mm -hmm. right now and i'm really excited for seeing all those beautiful people and make even deeper connections than i did last year yeah. and also the business side uh, is something that i'm super excited for um because again like my business is great all of that is amazing i want to talk more about like you know the the, the entrepreneurial side of that on, mm. on LinkedIn um, and on my social media, more about that to give people value. Um, but also I'm noticing that I'm outgrowing that and maybe it's, you know, step or, or time for the next step and, and doing something entirely different. I'm, I'm excited because I have not quite figured out what it's going to be. The direction is somewhat clear, but mm. how the end product is going to look, I'm not sure, but that's definitely something that I'm super excited for. Fuck yeah. I'm excited for you that, uh, Thank you. I think whatever it is, you're going to, you're going to nail it. You've got the, you more now, like now more than ever, you have the pieces in place to be even more successful. Cause now it like, feels like it. you had yeah. all this success without sort of before doing some of the self work and now you've yeah. done some of the self work and it's like, <laughs> all right, boom, what comes next? Yeah. What else is possible? That's mm. true. That's true. I'm super pumped for that. Yeah. Beautiful. Feel free to come up to Minneapolis a couple of days early too and come hang, come hang out. Yeah, absolutely. Go. I'm going to uh, Colorado to a couple of days early before an ayahuasca ret retreat I do there. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, let's, let's hang out in Minneapolis. Beautiful. Well, at the end of the podcast, I always like to take a second just to honor you, Stefan. So first of all, thank you for being my friend, but then also thank you for being you, the hilarious shining light that you are, the person that you are that really, I think, helps put people at ease is one of the things I noticed the most about you. And obviously this is reflected in your skill set, but you make everyone feel super, super comfortable and just super, super liked and loved. And I think that's such a guiding light for so many people. It's like, you're, you're just this blazing bonfire of love and just like someone gets close to you and they're like, Oh, now I'm warm too. It's fantastic. So <laughs> thank you thank for you. being you. And uh, yeah, thanks for being on. It's been fun. Thanks, Alex. All right. Well, that's it for the episode. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you did enjoy the episode, as always, the best way to support the podcast and help get the word out is to share this out with a friend. So either share that on Instagram and tag me at Alexander Diesel, or just share it directly with a friend. And of course, it's always appreciated if you leave reviews and just let me know how the podcast has impacted you. Without much more, much love. Have a great day and I'll talk to you soon.